Welcome to the Faith Lift Radio Podcast, where doubt is destroyed and your faith is lifted. Here's today's message from Dr. Glenn. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, now let's uh, open our Bible, please, to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John, chapter 3. 1 John, chapter 3. And I hope you got your pen and paper today. 1 John, chapter 3, today... I'm going to be talking to you about detecting the footprints of Satan. How to discern and how to detect the footprints of Satan. Now, 1 John in chapter 3, we are going to read from verse 8. If you got it, say amen. All right, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 says, For this purpose... The, I'm talking to the, the second portion, all right? The second part of uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. If you got it, say amen. amen. All right, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 says, the second part, let's read together, please. For this purpose, the Son of God was what? Manifested that he might do what? Destroy the works of the devil, right? Now, what I want you to do is to underline in your Bible the words, works of the devil. So, now, repeat this with me, everybody now. Everybody read with me. Repeat with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus was, manifested was manifested to destroy, to destroy the, works the works of the devil. Of the devil. Now, what I want you to underline in your Bible and make it uh, very clear in your head that the Bible is very specific that there are works of the devil. Now, it didn't say work. It says works. So that means that his works are manifold. Are you listening? All right, so now, with that in your mind, let's go to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. We are going to read verse 1 till verse 3. John chapter 9, verse 1 till verse 3. The Bible says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth and his disciples asked him saying master who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind so now notice how the disciples had this belief that for this man to be born blind it had to be because either the man sinned or his parents sinned but Jesus' answer is very revealing. He says in verse 3, Jesus answered and said, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents. Well, the question is, who sinned? If the man didn't sin and the parents didn't sin, who sinned? Adam. Adam sinned. All right? So it, that, that came on the uh, sickness and disease came on the wing of the original sin. Are you listening? Now, let's all read the last part, please. Ver, but that the what? The works of God should be made manifest in him. Now, read that again, please. That last part. Everybody now in Louisville and Jacksonville, everybody read now. But that the what? The works of God should be made manifest in him. Now, say with me, works of God. Works of God. 
Now remember we just read in 1 John, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So you've got the manifestation of the works of the devil, and then you've got the manifestation of the works of God. And the purpose of the manifestation of the works of God is destroy the works or to undo to loosen amen to unbind the works of satan can you say amen, amen. so the word the, the word is very clear now lift up your hands everybody lift up your hands and say with me the word is very clear, the word is very clear. what's what what is it clear about we have the works of satan and then we have the works of god now here's the deal ladies and gentlemen you now touch yourself you, say with me, I. I. You have to understand there is a clear, concise, distinct difference between the works of Satan and the works of God. Now that sounds so simple, but so many Christians do not understand that. And so because we don't understand that, we attribute the works of Satan to God. Now, now, I can show you that in the Bible. You know who did that? Job did that. Now, when you read the Bible, the book of Job, see, when you are reading the book of Job, what you are getting is a panoramic view of the Bible. Now, Job didn't have a panoramic view. He didn't, know what, he didn't know what was going on in the realm of the spirit. He couldn't see the conversation in the realm of the spirit, right? He couldn't see that Satan was the one who left the presence of God and struck him with boils, killed his children, destroyed his house. Are you listening? And take away his stocks and cattle. Are you listening to me, somebody, right? So what did he say? Well, the Lord giveth. And the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, was that right? Nope. Because the Lord gave, but who took it away? Satan. So when Job said that, he was wrong. Was he not? Was he not? Now, talk. come on, talk to me. Was he not? Because he could only see here. He, couldn't, he, he did not have a panoramic view just like you've got. My, but my problem with many believers is that even though they've got a panoramic view, they can't see it. They don't see it. Are you listening? So the Bible is very clear. So lift up your hands with me and everybody repeat after me. Say the Bible is very clear. There are the works of God and the works of Satan. So we must never attribute the works of Satan to the works of God. Can you say hallelujah? For example, if you read Acts 10 and 38, the Bible reveals to you the works of God. Right? Acts 10 and 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing what? Good. Say good. good. Now lift up your hands and say with me. Say God's, God's works, God's works. Are, good. are good. Satan's works, Satan's works. Are, bad. are bad. All right. He did that which was good. Praise God. And what? Healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. So God's word is God's works are good. And God's works includes healing, not sickness. Can you say amen? And so God doesn't oppress people. God heals people from oppression. Can you say amen? amen? Glory to God. So this is so important that I have to drive this into you. So now, now, 
Let's go to John chapter 10 and verse 10. John chapter 10 and verse 10. These are uh, scriptures that you are familiar with. John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, The thief, everybody said the thief. So that's not talking about God, is it? No. The thief cometh not but to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now look at the words. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Look at the sequence in which, or the order in which they are put. Steal, kill, and destroy. Satan can't destroy you until he first steals. What is he going to steal? The word. If he can't steal the word... He can't take your stuff. Years ago, I read a book by Jerry Savelle, uh, and the, the title of the book was called, If Satan Can't Steal Your Joy, Right? You Can Keep Your Goods. If He Can't Steal Your Joy. Now, so put your hand in your heart. Say this with me. Say, as long as Satan cannot steal the word in my life, he can't kill me, and he can't destroy me. Are you listening? All right, now, so the, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they might have what? Life and life more abundantly. Put your hand in your heart and say with me, Jesus came, Jesus came. to give me life and life more abundantly. Now, the word life in Greek is the word the zoe, Z-O-E. And the word zoe means the God kind of life, the high life, the super abundant life. Come on, put your hand in your heart and say with me, Jesus came, Jesus came to, give me to give me the super abundant life. Say it again. Come on, say, say Jesus came. To do what? To give you what? The super abundant life. Anybody here ready for super abundant life? Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. Now, now, now. <clears throat> Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The reason why I use these three verses as foundational text because we have to lay the foundations first. You need to understand there's a clear, distinct difference, distinction between the works of God and the works of Satan. I don't ever want you to attribute the works of Satan to God or the works of God to Satan. They're not akin. Can you say amen? All right, now 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse 11. That is one of the most powerful verse in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. Now, listen to me guys. Look on the screen and look in your Bible and certainly underline it. Ready? Let's read together please. Verse 11. Lest Satan should get what? An advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his what? Of his devices. Now, underline the word advantages or advantage and then circle the word ignorant. When you are ignorant of Satan's devices, he will have an advantage over you. 
I want you to write this down and never forget this. Write it down in capital letters. The strength of your enemy is your ignorance. The strength of your enemy is what? Your ignorance. God said in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, I'm just quoting it. He says, my people are what? Destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So if you don't want Satan to have an advantage over you, let me read that to you from a different translation, okay? One Bible says it this way. Lest Satan may, that Satan may not get the better of us. All right, let's be honest with ourselves here. How many of you here, uh, as you're sitting here looking all pretty, because of you there, except for Pastor Bill? <laughs> all right. How many of you here, how many of you here, life at some point had the better over you? How many of you here, situation got the better over you? How many of you here, Satan got the better over you? He took, an, you know, he took an advantage over you. If we are all honest, all of us here had a little head kicked all over the place and a little rear end kicked all over the place, right? Now, now, so this is why we can't afford to be ignorant. Can you say amen? All right, let me read that again to you, please, from this different Bible. It says that Satan may not get the better of us, for we are not ignorant of his uh, strategies. All right, so lift up your hands. Lift up your hands, everybody, and say with me. Say, from today, I will detect, I will discern the strategies of Satan because I don't want him to get one over my life. I don't want him to have advantage over my life. Can you say amen? Glory to God forever. Thank you, Jesus. All right. One other Bible says that we may not be deceived. That we may not be deceived, for we are not to be ignorant of his devices. So what does that tell you? Ignorance or a lack of knowledge makes you vulnerable to deception. Are you listening? No, if you don't want to be deceived, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to know the word. Can you say hallelujah? Now, before I show you the footprints of Satan, because that is what we're going to be looking at today. One of the most startling facts in life that a lot of people are not aware of is that all humans, how many? All humans. Incidentally, the word human, you know what the word human means? The word human, when we say the human spirit or human, the word human comes from the Latin word humus. And humus means from the dirt, from the ground. So when you say, I'm a human spirit, that is, I am a spirit clothed with dirt. Your body is made out of dirt. Humus means dirt, ground. Are you listening to me, saints? Can you say amen? All right, so the, one of the most startling facts is that, and a lot of people don't realize it, saints or sinners, is that all of humanity, all humans... Have an invisible enemy. Whether you're a saint or whether you are a sinner. Whether you are sanctified or whether you are a pagan. 
of us, we have one common enemy. Are you listening? And that enemy's goal is to use pain, heartache, to make your existence on the earth miserable and unhappy. That's not just for this. It's not just the saint that has a devil coming against him. The devil hates his own people. He attacks his own people. It's not just saints being attacked with infirmity, with poverty, with fear. It's the sinners as well. Because Satan has no care, love for his own people. Are, are, are you hearing me, saints? So his main objective is to come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, now, this unseen enemy, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible calls him the devil. The Bible calls him Satan. The Bible calls him the deceiver of the whole world. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. The Bible calls him the spirit of infirmity, the spirit of blindness, the spirit of deception, the spirit of seduction. There's all kinds of names for that invisible enemy. And so I need you to be conscious this morning that you have an invisible enemy. Are you listening to me now? Now, and so this is why we have to detect, to discern the footprints of Satan. Now, I don't know about Florida, but in, 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 in Louisville in January, well, you don't have it here, do you? We have a lot of snow in January, the end of January, we have a lot of snow. And you can look at the footprints in the snow and see what animals has been there. I mean, I can see the footprint of my dog. I can see the footprint of my wife's shoes, all right? And, and, and you know, my own sneakers. I don't know, look at that. I know who's been there. When you see the footprints, it leaves a mark. It leaves a trace informing you what has been there or what has been, what has traversed in that place. Now, what I'm going to show you today, uh, these are the footprints of Satan. And you better be aware that there is an intruder on the loose. Because if you don't realize that there is an intruder on the loose, then you will think that your enemy is your friend. Years ago, there came out a movie called Sleeping with the Enemy. And many times, believers are sleeping with the enemy that they think is not an enemy. But the enemy's purpose, see, the, the, the purpose of war is to eliminate your enemies. You may not feel like eliminating Satan, but his objective in life is to eliminate you. Eat up your finances eat up your children, eat up your peace of mind, and so forth and so on. Can you say amen? amen. Now, so footprints, everybody say footprints. Let you know that someone or something has already trodden this place. Right? Footprints let you know or inform you that there is somebody looking around. And so today I'm going to show you the footprints of Satan. And the problem with many believers is that there are things that they think 
are normal when they're not normal. But in reality, this thing that you think is normal, well, everybody's got financial problems. No. Do you know right now, as chaos as the economy is right now, and with all the shortages that we have, right now there are people making millions and billions of dollars. Whenever the market crashes, when it crashed before, in 2008 and whatever, right? Man, while the little guys are suffering, others are making billions of dollars. Are you listening? There are always there are people that will always take advantage of a crisis. So you need to understand that there are some things that you may be going through, and Satan has deceived you to think that it is normal, but they are not normal. There are some things which you are going through right now; they are abnormal. Remember this: Satan's agenda is so deceptive. That we may not know that we are under demonic attack. Alright, so let's discern some of the footprints of Satan. Let's discern some of the footprints of Satan. If you see this manifested in your life, you will know. That Satan is looking around the corner. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, number one, are you ready? This is not in order of importance, it is all equally important. Can you say amen? amen. All right, write this down, ladies and gentlemen. So, write this down. Louisville, write this down. Are we good, Avi? All right, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. All right, I want you to write this down. Thank you, Lord. Number one, write this down, worry. Worry. If you are worrying, let it be known to you, that is a footprint of Satan. Well, now everybody worries. Nope. Nope. The Bible is very clear. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. What is the what is the B I B L? He says, "Be careful for what." I can't. Hear. Come on, talk to me now. What does the Bible says? Be what? Be careful for nothing. Can you say Amen? So lift up your hands. Say, "I don't worry." I, don't worry. I can't hear you. Say, "I don't worry, I don't worry. About, anything. about anything." Now, what does anything mean? Anything means everything. Don't worry about anything means don't worry about everything. All right, doesn't mean just don't worry about uh, uh, this except this one. No, 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 no. means don't worry about anything. Are you listening? Well, I'm just a worry ward. Well, quit being a worry ward. Are you listening? All right, let's go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. So, I want you to understand this. Worry is an obvious footprint of Satan. So, if you are seeing, if you are noticing yourself worrying... Then let it be known, you've got to remove that, the footprints of Satan. Are you listening? Can you say amen? So lift up your hands and say with me. Say, from today, I refuse to worry. I reject worry. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Let's all read together please. What does it say? Be careful for 
nothing. Be careful for what? Nothing. In today's vernacular, the, the NIV Bible says, don't worry about anything. Now, point your anointed finger at your neighbor and look at your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, don't worry about anything. What does that mean? That means what? Don't worry about your cat. Don't worry about your dog. Don't worry about your wife. Don't worry about your husband. Don't worry about anybody. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God forever. All right. Now, now. So what are we supposed to be doing with that? Don't worry about anything, but in everything, let your requests uh, be made known unto God. Right? With thanksgiving. And then the next verse says what? And the peace of God which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds. Right? Now, now, write this down. Worry, no peace. Worry, no peace. Or, you can say this way, if you worry... No worry equal peace. If you worry, you're drinking the poison of Satan. Now, you hear me? If you, if you, if you worry, you're doing what? Drinking the poison of Satan. Now, so what are we supposed to be doing? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, listen to this. All right. Verse 6, 1 Peter 5 and verse 6 says, Humble yourself. Now stop right there. Stop right there. Look at me for a minute. When you worry, it's pride. Because that verse says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares. So when you worry, it is an indication of what? Pride. Why? Because you think you've got to do something about that problem. Your hands. No, the Bible tells you, humble yourself under the what? Whose hand? The mighty hand of God. So in life, you got three hands. Well, you got about four hands. You've got your hands. You've got the hands of other people. You've got the hands of Satan. Then you've got the hands of God. Full pair of hands. Now, the Bible tells you, you got to humble yourself under whose hand? The hand of God. That he may exalt you. Now, no humbling, no exaltation. In due time, right? How do you do that? He says, casting how many? All. How many? All. All. How many? All. How many? All. Louisville, I'm looking at you. How many? All. Jacksonville, I'm looking at you. How many? Not everything except my daughter. Not everything except my son. All. All means all. Casting all your cares upon him for he careth for you. Next verse, please. Look what it says here. Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil... Browse around like a roaring lion, walks around, walketh about like a roaring lion, seeking what? Whom he may devour. Huh. 
seeking whom he may devour. Now, if there are those he may devour, the flip side of that coin are there are those he may not devour. So who are the ones he can devour? The ones still carrying the cares? The ones still carrying the burdens? Carrying the worries? These are the people that he may devour. But those who refuse to worry, do I have anybody in the house that will refuse to worry? Come on, say, that's me. That's me. Say it again, that's me. that's me. Say it again, I refuse to worry. I because when you refuse to worry, ladies and gentlemen, you become the person that Satan cannot devour. Write this down, please. As long as Satan can keep you in worry, he can destroy you. As long as Satan can keep you in worry, he can devour you. In other words, as long as Satan can keep you in worry, you become his prey. You become what? His prey. So, the sermon number one of the footprints of Satan is that you have to stop worrying. Can you say amen? So, write this down. Worry not equals peace. Worrying equals poison. All right, now, number two, the second footprint of Satan that I want you to discern today, ladies and gentlemen, apart from worry, number two, these all go together, fear. Fear. Fear is a major, it's the master stroke, it's the master key of Satan to destroy your life. Fear is the enemy's master stroke. Now, Job chapter 3, if you can put for me verse 25 and verse 26. Job chapter 3, verse 25 and verse 26. Job chapter 3. All right, let's read together. Look on the screen, everybody. What does it say? For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Write this down. Fear is an attraction to the spirit of destruction. Fear is what? An attraction to the spirit of destruction. Job says, the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. Ladies and gentlemen, the, what you're afraid of, you are giving out your address to. If you're afraid of cancer... In the realm of the spirit, you're giving out signals and to give you address. He says, the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. So, the spirit of fear is an attraction to that spirit of destruction. Are you listening? Can you say amen? All right. Now... 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. So, I need you today to understand this. He's walking all over your mind and all over your life if you are worrying and if you are living in fear. Okay, now, fear of what? Fear of demons, fear of this and fear of that, fear of going out, fear of everything. Good Lord, have mercy. 
Okay, now, look at this now. First John chapter 4, let's read verse 18. Got it? Let's all read together, please. There is no fear in love. Why? Because, but perfect love casts fear, because fear has what? Torment. You cannot separate torment from fear. Are you listening? Just like you can't separate the wet from the water, you cannot separate torment from fear. Are you listening? Amen. Amen. So, the Bible says, there is no fear in love. Now, let me ask you a question. Who is love? God is love. Is that right? And so, the one who indwells you, God lives in you. He's love. So what's inside of you? Love is inside of you. So there is no fear in love. There is no fear in God. And if God's in you, there should be no fear in you. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Now, I want to read that to you from a different translation. It goes like this. This is actually a French translation translated in English. It says, in love, there is no room for fear. Now, put your hand on your heart. Put your hand on your heart, everybody. And say with me, in my heart, there's no room for fear. In my life, there is no room for fear. Now point your finger at your neighbor and tell them, don't, don't make room for worry or for fear in your life. Can you say amen? Because whatever you make room for is going to come and inhabit that place. Whatever you make room for. All right, so <clears throat> there are a lot of Christians, a lot of believers today. Look at me. There's a difference between being saved and being strong. A lot of people are saved. But they're not strong. Amen. And the reason why they're not strong is because they are, they are making rooms and they're not recognizing, discerning the footprints of Satan. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Number three, how do you know? How do you know that there is an, an enemy looking around your place? What footprints do I need to discern? Are you ready for number three? Confusion. Confusion. Now, <clears throat> you don't know what to do. You're disturbed. Write this down, please. And a lot of people don't understand this many times. Confusion is a manifestation of witchcraft. Confusion is a what manifestation of witchcraft. It makes you question yourself, question your friends, question your leaders, question God. When witchcraft attacks, it makes it difficult to make decisions. Are you listening to me? If you, if you remember, if you stop, please, if you can remember that the great Elijah, the great Elijah, who cut off the head of 450 prophets of Baal. Uh -huh. Right? Yes, sir. The next minute is running away from who? Jezebel. Jezebel. Why? Yes. He's, 
He's not afraid, he's not afraid of a woman. Mm. But Jezebel. The Bible talks about the witchcraft of Jezebel. When she spoke, she released a death assignment. You need to understand this. Whenever witchcraft is operational, it's releasing a death assignment. And, and along death assignment comes the spirit of confusion. So the Bible is very clear. God is not the author of confusion. So put your hand on your head. Say, I'm not confused. I'm not bemused. I'm not disturbed. I'm in my right mind. Say it again. I am in my right mind. I can make clear decisions. I can make good decisions. Amen. On your job, you will make good decisions. In life, you will make good decisions. Praise God. Can you say amen? You will not be bemused and you will not be confused. Can you say amen? Now, now, here's what you need to understand. If you keep losing your keys, if you keep forgetting your appointments, if you keep forgetting things about the, you know, uh, which are very important, you need to understand that is a footprint of Satan. Well, now, you know, when you get old. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, you need to understand something. Look, look, look at me. You need to talk back to some commercials. Are you listening? You just need to talk back to some TV commercial. Uh, the flu season is here. Are you ready? No, I'm not ready for the flu season. <laughs> Can you say amen? Glory to God. Can you say hallelujah? All right, now, now. So that number three, because of time, uh, uh, it's a, con uh, a spirit of confusion. But God is not the author of confusion. Number four, very important, number four. Number four, you'll understand this is one of the footprint, major footprint of Satan in your life when there is a cycle of frustration and hindrances. When there is a what? A cycle of what? Frustration and hindrances or opposition or you're being blocked. How many of you right now feel that you should be further on where you are right now financially and somewhere you, somehow you're not there? Right? How many of you feel that you should be further on in life than where you are right now, but somehow you're not there? You know why? Because there's a spirit of hindrances, uh, there's a spirit of hindrance that is blocking away. And along with hindrance comes, is attached, the spirit of frustration. Now, now, so let's go to Proverbs chapter 13, and then we're going to look at verse 12. And then First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18. So a cycle of frustration and hindrance. I need you to write this down. Hindrance and frustration go hand in hand. Where there is, where, where there, there is a there's hindrance, you will find frustration. And where there is frustration, you will find a hindrance. Now, I, I think I told you this before. Years ago, I was traveling to Nigeria. And, uh, you know, I, me, if you know me, I, I hate being late. I am not. I'm, I'm a stickler for time. Right? I, so when I get to the airport, I get there two hours or three hours early. I'm not going to run on the plane and sweat like a dog. And nothing is worse to be sitting on the plane next to somebody who's sweating all over, all over the place. <laughs> like, 
I don't like that. So one day I had to go to Nigeria and I had to go to take a flight, change a flight from Paris Charles de Gaulle to go to Lagos. This was way back in the beginning uh, of my travel in the early 90s. And, and, and I thought, well, yeah. They said the flight will leave at Charles de Gaulle at 12 p.m. to get into Lagos, Nigeria at 5 p.m. And at 5 p.m., they will pick me up straight from the airport and take me to the stadium, right? There'll be thousands of people there. I was, I was a young dude then, about 21, 22 years old. I was like, woo, thank you, Jesus, all right? So I was excited. But now, waiting for that plane, typically Air France, didn't, no announcements, no nothing, just waiting. 12 o'clock, I was like, man, we should be, the plane's supposed to leave at 12 o'clock. I was expecting to, to board the flight by 11.30, right? I got there before, by 9 a.m. 10 o'clock, nothing. 11 o'clock, nothing. 11.30, no boarding. 12 o'clock, no boarding. I thought, come on. I've got to go to the stadium. Don't you understand? 1 o'clock, nothing. 1.30, finally, they said, we're going to board. <laughs> got on the plane and we start to you know, take, take off. You know, these days, because of modern technology, you have your own little private screen on the back of the seat. And 5 o'clock came. I was nowhere near Lagos, Nigeria. I was in the northern parts of Africa in Morocco. Flying over Morocco. Right? And I couldn't stand it because I thought, I should have landed. I should have landed. Right? So I got up and began to walk in the plane. Right? That was just by September 11th. Okay? People were nervous. People were nervous. <laughs> One time I thought, man, I got off like there must be there must be some terrorists on that flight. And I looked up, I thought, they're all white people. I'm the only one look like <laughs> I'm the only one that looked like a bin Laden's little cousin. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> I've got on that plane, all right, and I started walking and this air hostess looked at me. With a very thick French accent, it says, Sir, sit down. So I sat down, but guess what I saw when I sat down? That same stupid screen again, letting me know I was nowhere near my destination. I got up again, I couldn't stand it. And I got up, I walked, and that same air hostess looked at me and says, Sir, are you frustrated? I thought, do I look frustrated? <laughs> then it dawned on me, frustration is an indication that you are not in your place of destination. The reason why you're frustrated is because you are not in your place of destination. So, ladies and gentlemen, a cycle of frustration. Proverbs 13, verse 12, you got it? Proverbs 13, verse 12, what does the Bible tell you? A hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Right? A heart deferred, deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire come, anybody here ready for the desire to come? Glory to God. Anybody ready for that car to come, for the house to come, for that healing to manifest? It's a tree of life. So a hope deferred, a dream deferred, makes the heart sick. Now, First Thessalonians chapter 2, quickly please. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18. 
verse 18. Thank you, Jesus. Are you ready? All right, let's read together, please. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18. This is the great apostle Paul says, For would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but what happened? Satan hindered me. Now think about this. If Satan can hinder the great apostle Paul, don't you think he'll try to hinder you? Right? He will. But now let's go to Nehemiah chapter 4 quickly, please. Nehemiah chapter 4. And look in your Bible. Here's Nehemiah. And he's building the wall right around Jerusalem. Look at verse 7 now. Let's read verse 7, please. In verse 6, he says, I'm building the wall. Verse 7, it's all ready together. Ready, one, two, read. But it came to pass when who? Sanballat and the Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being what? Built up and that the breaches began to be stopped. Let me tell you right now, when, when you're building your life, rebuilding the wall of your life, your finances, guess what? People are hearing about it. Are you listening right now? Your friends are aware of it and your enemy are aware of it. Are you listening? And they were very angry. Let me tell you right now. There are some people right now, they're not happy with what's going on in your life. They are jealous about the good things that God is doing in your life. There are still some sun ballots. There are still some Tobias generation lurking around and they hate your guts. Are you listening? But look at the next verse, please. Oh, look at the next verse. They were very rough. And they what? They conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to do what? To hinder it. Now notice that Paul was being hindered. And now here, Nehemiah was being hindered, right? But I like the next verse. Glory to God. Ooh. Whenever you find some hindrances, this is what you got to do. All right, come on. Lift up your hands. Say, say with me. I got to do. What I got to do. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I nearly fell down here. All right, let's read. <laughs> let's read together, please. What did it say? Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God night and day. Day and night and night and day. Now lift up your hands. Say, when the enemy comes against me to hinder my life, to hinder my finances, to hinder my family, my children, my health. What you gonna do? What do you say? What you gonna do? Now, nevertheless. Now look at your neighbor. Say, nevertheless. Say it again. Nevertheless. Come on, point your finger at me now. Say, nevertheless. You know what I mean? I really don't care. Do what you gotta do. Right. But as for me, we're going to make our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night. Day and night, we're going to pray. Now, look at you, lift up your hands and say, night and day, day and night, we are going to pray. Come on, talk to me later. Say, day and night, night and day, we're going to pray and break the spirit of hindrances. Can you say amen? And when you break the spirit of hindrances, you're going to break the spirit of frustration. Can you shout hallelujah? Let me give you one last one today. All right. Another footprint of Satan is delay. Delay in your life. How many of you right now, <laughs> you've been waiting for some stuff? Right? Some of you have been waiting. You know, people you know, watching us well online, waiting to have a child. Waiting to have a new job. Waiting to get a new house. Waiting to get a new car. How long is it going to take? Remember that thing? Uh, that cartoon? Madagascar. 
right? Uh, uh, King Julian, how long is it going to take? <laughs> I love that cartoon, right? That, I mean, you can draw some lessons from that. I like the penguins. The penguins, smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. <laughs> like, come on, look at your neighbor and say, smile and wave. Smile and wave, amen. Everything going wrong? Smile and wave, boys. Don't be like King Julian. How long is this going to take? <laughs> He's Indian, by the way. <laughs> Can you say amen? amen? Can you say glory to God? Now, now, let's close with this one. First Thessalonians chapter, I mean Ezekiel. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel. Thank you, Lord. The book of Ezekiel. I love this. Come on, lift up your hands and say, I will break, I will break. the spirit of delay. Ezekiel chapter 12 and verse 28. Ezekiel chapter 12 and verse 28. So if you see delay in your life, you know what's going on. Okay, let's read verse 28, please. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all read together now. Everybody stand on your feet. Glory to God. Louisville, Jacksonville, come on, stand on your feet. Come on, lift up your hands and Let's read together, please. Therefore, God says, say unto them, thus saith the Lord God. Now, who's talking right now? The Lord God. Who's talking right now? The Lord God. All right, now point your finger at your neighbor. Say, thus saith the Lord God. What, what is God saying? There shall none of my words be prolong, prolonged anymore, but the word which I have spoken shall be done. My words will no longer be delayed. Come on, point your finger at your neighbor. Tell them, no more delay. Come on, say again, no more delay. Amen. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of healing. Today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day of miracles. Today is the day of power. Today is the day of breakthrough. Come on, say no more delay. No more confusion. No more fear. No more worry. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Can you say hallelujah? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Faithlift Radio Podcast. For more information about Dr. Glenn and how to offer your financial support, log on to glennarecchion.org.